Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah and we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book, but this time with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we're reading chapters 35 of Goblet of Fire. So grab a glass of your favourite alcoholic beverage and join us on this reminiscent journey. Are we ever going to do this without being really awkward? (laughs) No. We have been doing this for almost two years and we always just kind of say hello and then look at each each other other. what comes next. We don't look at... Do you know we don't look at each other while recording this podcast? Isn't uh, that weird to think about? I never look at you. I stare at you constantly. Because Every we try moment, to, I'm like on. sting. We tried to put the mics like this so we would Every look at each other more. Hold on, I'm going to turn more. Every move you make. I feel like I don't look at you during the podcast. Every bond you break. Every breath you take. I'll be watching you. I don't think I've ever talked about my oh, conspiracy that. theory oh. that Sting is a serial killer on the podcast before. In fact, no. No, no, no. Not a conspiracy theory. Just fact. Charlie, we've got a lot to get through Evidence. Today. Got a lot to get through. Have you ever seen Sting and the Zodiac Killer in the same room? No, you haven't. Um, That's a creepy. theory. Done. He's he's creepy. Gotta Just look at a photo of him. Gotta move on. Uh, three, lyrics. Creepy lyrics. Gotta move uh, on. Every breath you take. We're moving on. Uh, don't stand too close. I'm sorry. He should have been arrested for we're that song on alone. Uh, and also mother. Can No, we're not moving on. I'm going to Google the lyrics right now. Hello mother. and welcome to Goblet of Fire, episode 50. Uh, Goblet of Wine, episode 50. Oh no. Wait. Wait, did you just do it? <gasps> she did it! <laughs> I think you did it to try and stop me reading out the lyrics to Mother oh by Sting. Oh my god, it's the penultimate episode! I think you did that, you were trying to distract I me. I didn't, oh my god! Oh no! Do I have to go get a shot? Are yes. you still looking up you, Sting theory? You get a shot whilst I read, oh I do a dramatic god, reading. I can't believe of the lyrics to mother while the telephone is ringing is that my mother on the phone the telephone is ringing is that my mother on the phone the telephone is screaming won't she leave me alone the telephone is ringing is that my mother on the phone well every girl I got out with becomes my mother in the end every girl I go out with becomes my mother in the end well I hear my mother calling but I don't need her as a friend every girl I go out with becomes my mother in the end oh mother oh mother Oh, mother, dear, please listen and don't devour me. He's a serial killer. Have you... Could you hear this? Yeah, I don't care anymore. He's a serial killer. Hannah has a shot. What's the shot off? Uh, vanilla vodka. Guys, I've, I'm sober. And Hannah, uh, you've only had a bit of wine, haven't you? Yeah, just one bit of wine to finish off work. <laughs> just I'm fine. Get, just get through the day. I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's in my water bottle. It's not in my water bottle. Okay, so I said goblet of fire instead of goblet of wine i yeah so i said welcome to episode 51 of goblet of fire didn't i i think that's what i said i don't know i'm gonna laugh if you now do this shot and then when you're editing realize that you didn't actually it's fuck up <laughs> cheers but, uh, enjoy i'm gonna enjoy that because you've had wine and now a shot and i've had nothing you're gonna be a lot drunker than i am and i carry the podcast. <laughs>
Who is the one holding the laptop looking fancy? Um, Somebody wrote in that Instagram thing, like, I can't tell the difference between you, but whoever has the notes and whoever doesn't. <laughs> yeah. No, there was one as well that said their favourite. We basically, for context, uh, if you don't follow us on Instagram, do. We did like a, a quiz thing where you like shared it to your story answering the questions. And one of them, I asked favourite joke and someone said, uh, when Charlie forgot her notebook that one time, I forgot that happened. <laughs> Yeah, because you then, to Dracon, brought every single notebook you own in case you did it again. You bought eight notebooks to a convention. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because you were so scared you were going to make the same mistake again. Anyway, can we get on with the podcast? Yeah. Right, it's episode 52 of Goblin of Wine. We are on chapters 35 Wait, and maybe 36. But we need to do our, our uh, shout-outs. Yes, I know. I'm just saying, here we are. Here okay. we are. So, first of all, we have new patrons to welcome to the team. So, we do. a ginormous thank you to Joe and a massive thank you to Margaret. Hey, that's good. Yeah, and a Wait, super sonic. Hang on, Margaret. That's that's what my vagina's called. Don't just tell her you... that. Why is your vagina? Who called it that? Uh, the first man that touched it. I called my first sat nav Margaret. It was after Margaret Thatcher. <sighs> Is this when you started liking women? Yes. <laughs> Men are trash. Why would he do that? This episode, should we stop here? Yeah, it's already this gone too far. <laughs> so bad already. You've had nothing to drink. I think you need a shot because you've had nothing to drink. We're meant to stop, pre-drink. Stop trying to inflict this on me. I don't think I need a shot. Anyway, I'm really sorry about that, Margaret. I just it just reminded me it doesn't come up enough in conversation I'm sure you're lovely Margaret I'm sorry I called my first satnav your name again it was based on Margaret Thatcher sauce does this mean my vagina tells you where to go yes <laughs> and a supersonically sized thank you to our new producer level patron Sydney thank you to all our new patrons you are helping to support this podcast and they now have access to new extra stuff we have added Charlie stop your phone buzzing we they now have access to new extra stuff we have added into our patron including our exclusive close friends list on Instagram stories we get naked on it yeah very naked very naked there's we no we nakedness, don't. but there is exclusive stories, exclusive boomerangs, and there will be some exclusive live selfies. streams. And that close friends list is available to every single tier of patrons. So for just two dollars a month, you can get access to the Discord and that close friends list. And Charlie, what more could you want in life? Probably like anything else. Probably the end of Corona, world peace. Yeah. You know, Donald Trump being killed. But you know, mm-hmm. you can have us as a close friend on Instagram, so... Yeah, I like the hard sell, and I'm just like... <laughs> you just... I could not be a salesperson. <laughs> you, you're so good at it, I'm just like, spend your money elsewhere. <laughs> We're the worst. <laughs> it's less than a coffee a month, and you'll be supporting the show. Shut up! We, ba- we, we are planning exciting <sighs> things. On behalf of our entire audience, just stop! No, I'm they selling. Get it. <laughs> Read the review, then. Oh shit, okay. So, our favourite review uh, this week, we only have one today just because we recorded like last week or something, so um, we have not had that many. Yeah, leave us reviews, Is uh, Doomfist 500. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Epic. Uh, who says, oh my god, is this... I love this one. I like texted it to Hannah because I was so emotional. After several months, I'm finally up to date. I love Hannah and Charlie equally in caps. 
Thank you. You don't have to lie to her. It is currently <laughs> eleven o'clock. Eleven o'clock the night before GCSEs are released, and I'm freaking out. Aww. Re-listening to the last episode to try and calm my nerves. I love you lots. You're hilarious, smart, and in the light and the light at in the dark of the quarantine tunnel a brilliant take on the biggest part of my childhood i treasure this review i I treasure all of them but i really hope your gcse results well actually could you uh dm us on twitter and just tell us if your gcse results results went well because i'm now kind of invested in your gcse results so please let me know or if they didn't doesn't fucking matter doesn't fucking matter tell us that as well and we will give you a pep talk about how it doesn't matter and we are in great careers no matter what your results are we're good at those pep talks we are very good at those pep talks oh and by the way that great career is not this podcast (laughs) no (laughs) that's that 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 this is a hobby that our bosses are like are you okay do we need to call hr anyway so charlie Yes. What are we drinking today? We are drinking another Patreon producer request. Yes, we have had so many. Actually, we have them booked in for the next, like, three or four episodes, guys. This is so exciting. It's really exciting. Yeah, remember, if you want to decide what we drink, you can be a producer-level patron. That's all I'm going to say. It's all I'm going to say! So all I'm going to say, you can be a producer of a patron, you can decide what we drink. Today's alcohol was decided by Mike. Mm-hmm. We are drinking Kraken. And I'm excited because I kept trying to say that Bellatrix would drink this and Hannah was like, it's the aesthetic. Aren't you but... so glad we didn't choose this for Bellatrix now? I know. I know. I but know. I'm still excited. So, uh, yeah. cheers. Cheers. Oh, I love it. It's just a classic. It is nice. And it's just like... I usually buy the cheapest alcohol in the store, so I buy, like, cheap rums or cheap spice rums. Do you know what I realised the other day? What? We don't have to do that anymore. We're adults. (laughs) No, but, like, you know when you... you (laughs) (laughs) No, but... I'm not... I'm not kidding. I was stood in the booze aisle the other day, and I still have that university mentality of just literally picking, like, the cheapest bottle of vodka. That vodka that's, like, nail polish remover in the squeezy bottle. Exactly. And then the other day, I literally realised... I, I have buy- disposable income. I don't have to do that. Yeah, you can buy... No, so I no longer buy the cheapest. I buy the next one up. So not Tesco value. Tesco everyday lifestyle. That, yeah. No, this is actually blood. so nice compared to the value spiced rum. It's delicious. And also Mike actually suggested a very specific beer from America, which unfortunately is currently not sold in England, possibly due to Corona. So we're keeping an eye out for it. Yeah. And we're going to throw it in if we find it because it sounds great. If any of you are from America, it's called Cali Creamin. Mm. Um, so if any of you have tried it, that's originally what Mike suggested. We can't get hold of it in the UK. If any of you are in the UK and know where it's sold, please hit me up because I'm determined to find this beer. Anyway, should we get on with the episode? We should. So... Before we properly start on the chapters, so (laughs) we were discussing this the other day, but we feel like, and we're not going to because there's no way we can logically do it, but we feel like we need a corrections segment. Oh yeah, oh my God, guys, so many of you messaged me. Okay, I know I messed up when I said that the second task was only out of 10 points. I'm sorry. I, I, I was drunk. It's clearly out of 50, which is the same as the first task. They're both out of 50. The second task is added up automatically. The first task, each of them gives it individually. They're both out of 50 (laughs) points. I'm sorry, okay? The point system is still fucked up. It is. Um, That wasn't even what I was going to say. I know, but I've had six messages at this point. I know. (laughs) 
we're gonna have them for eternity now and that is beautiful i love that people are that dedicated and that people continue for some fucking reason sorry just to let you all of you message so politely i'm not having a go at you thank you so much your your messages were so polite but it was when i got to the sixth one where i was like i know i fucked up i I can see the mental breakdown you just had in the lines on the like where you just start to like blow the microphone anyway so not only do we need that kind of corrections and the thing we can't do it basically because we batch record it means it wouldn't be like after every episode we go oh shit this is what we realized it would be like three episodes later. So it do- it doesn't make sense. So we can't do it. But what I would like to just occasionally, because when I proof listen, mm. sometimes I realise stuff that I didn't say mm. or that I said wrong or that we were just barking up the wrong tree, basically. <laughs> so sometimes I just think we should acknowledge those things. One thing I want to acknowledge is a episode or two ago, we had a big long conversation about how basically harry was fucked when he was in the graveyard because where would he have gone how would he even if he escaped how would he have gone on anywhere okay and there's a really fucking obvious solution to this a train the night bus (laughs) fuck you're smart i would never have thought of that yeah you just throw out your wand on yeah i mean I suppose if he'd even thought about it, he would have wanted to get far enough away that Voldemort, that, you know, like, Stan, Shun, Mike, Shun, Pike and Ernie didn't get killed. I'm, yeah, but... So it's not like he's going to leg it and flag it down and jump on. And but then... when we were saying, like, how? Yeah, no, that's a really good yeah. point because it's literally made for the stranded you know, witch or wizard. My favourite thing in life, when you see someone running for a bus and they miss it. <laughs> Imagine that, but it's like Harry jumping on with Voldemort and the <laughs> Death Eaters just like... Ah! And then he gets on and just like waves and Voldemort's like, well, there's nothing I can do now. And Stan's like, oh yeah, is that that Voldemort? (laughs) And then like Fudd can't deny him coming back because Stan Shunpug's like, yeah, he missed my bus. (laughs) He hadn't got a nose, love. Have you seen it? (laughs) He did actually get on on time, but he didn't have any cash to pay the fare. So I kicked him off. (laughs) And that's why Harry lived. Because, you know, he didn't have pockets because he was naked because he just popped out a cauldron. (laughs) Really big dick. (laughs) I said it was shriveled in little. Yeah, it grew. It's a shower, not a... No, a grower, not a shower. Grower, not a shower. Anyway. Is that your only point? Yeah. Okay. We are 15 minutes in. Fuck, this is going to be fun to edit. And these two chapters are the meatiest chapters. Well, we might only do one. We might. We might. Chapter 35. Veritaserum. So Harry slams into the grounds with the cup and Cedric. He's Dumbledore is above him and rolls him over, and, and he just lies there, like waiting for someone to do something. That's what really struck me. He's literally just he's, like, "I'm just gonna." But he's just so lie. injured and so panicked and yeah. so. But the thing with that is, like, because he literally just slams into the ground and then it's just like, "I don't know what to do." I'm. Oh, he's in shock. Yeah, he just lies there. Dumbledore doesn't know he's alive. No, I guess not. And the thing is, I this... suppose he might be panting. Like, <laughs> maybe but it depends how close Dumbledore was at first I yeah. guess but the thing is like what I realised as well is Dumbledore at this point probably knew that shit is going down because he will have had Carcroft be like I'm gonna go I'm and out. Snape be like 
Dumbledore. Ah, ah, um, so, um, so, um. Yeah. So like they know that shit is going down, not only because of the length of time that's passed that yeah. shouldn't have passed, but because, you know, Carcroft's got up and noped the fuck out of there, much like Barty Crouch does Junior does it in the film where he tries to like leave the courtroom awkwardly. <laughs> like, so Carcroft's done that. Snape's been like, brah, look at my arm. Yeah. My sick tat is really looking great today. Um so Dumbledore knows that shit's going down and then he has Harry appear with Cedric's clearly dead body and Harry just lying there yeah. not move like Harry could have been dead. Harry could have been but Harry, for once, is not an idiot and Dumbledore rolls him over, he looks into Dumbledore's eyes and he says, He's back. Voldemort's back. This is impressive through his his shock. He is in shock. What else are you gonna say? I don't know. It's You're not gonna lead with any other Look at this dead body that I have. (laughs) Just like Dumbledore rolls him over and he's just like What up? Oh, you're looking nice today. What up? You look old style. <laughs> so Fudge then runs up and he whispers to Voldemort, "Oh my gosh, he's dead. Diggory's dead, or something." Which there's a crowd around them, and it then gets repeated and repeated and repeated. Fudge, don't be a fucking idiot. Like, yeah, but why? he is. I know yeah. he's just an idiot. <laughs> so everyone starts yelling that Cedric is dead. Um, the book is written then in like broken sentences because Harry is so in shock and and is so much in pain that he's not taking who is saying what and what they're saying in. So there's a load of broken sentences and everybody talks. And it also really close shows that Dumbledore, even Dumbledore, isn't in control in this moment. No. Like Fudge is like, what are you gonna do? Mr. Diggory is running up. Mm. Harry is basically like collapsed in his arms and he's Dumbledore is like, wait here. But somebody else manages to overpower mm. Harry because Dumbledore is not in control. I always feel like Dumbledore should have like evacuated it the moment he knew shit was going down. And I guess you could say, okay, yeah, he knew that weird shit was going on, that Harry was delayed. And yeah, like, and that he was missing from the maze. And yeah, he knew that Snape's dark mark was But he should have evacuated up. the stands. But so maybe, I mean, you could argue that he hadn't have put them together to be like, oh, they're going to go back and some shit's going to go down. Mm. But also, he's a smart man. He probably should have been like, nothing to worry about. Just go back into the castle. Go back no inside, reason. Guys. Just go back inside. Go back just, back inside. Just so that, you know, if they did come back. But I guess, I guess what were they doing then? Because they didn't know they were going to come back. They knew they, they were missing from the maze for yeah, like an no hour. Yeah, he had no idea they might come back. If Dumbledore They might not have come been... back. So why were they all still there? Like, you think he would have gone, okay, this is awkward, but guys something's wrong can you or don't worry but just go back inside because what were they waiting for they didn't know they were going to come back i mean maybe dumbledore was like i'll leave it an hour and see after snape's arm burn and it has been around an hour yeah so we don't know or maybe they were debating because they didn't want to cause panic so they were trying to decide what to do and then that's when they came back yeah but yeah so next dumbledore orders him to stay where he is whilst he tells cedric's parents this is smart because Obviously, he needs to keep. He knows at this point for a fact that someone there is on Voldemort's side and has set them up, mm. basically. So he needs to keep them around people. But that also means that, like, obviously, I don't. What annoys me with this is <laughs> later on, Dumbledore basically says that he knew that it was Moody because the real Moody never would have taken Harry yeah. away from him. Yeah, and yeah, I guess that's true. But I think what also is true is that 
it was just going to be obvious. Whoever then tried to take Harry and get him alone was obviously the intruder. Mm. Obviously. So, yeah, this is really smart for him to be like, don't go anywhere, don't move, stay there. Yeah. And I just like the Dumbledore just is being incredibly mistrustful in this moment. He's just like, no, don't trust anyone. Well, he also, like, desperately needs the information. All Harry has said is that Voldemort's back. He has no information to give the Diggeries. He desperately needs it, but he can't without Harry. So he needs Harry. And he's scared. Yeah, he needs to keep Harry in his eyeline. Yeah. But somebody takes Harry. So a man leads Harry into the castle, and Harry realises from the clunking that it's Mad-Eye Moody. They go into his office and Harry begins to explain what happens. And the whole, as soon as Moody begins to talk, there's a sense of unease. And I think it's really incredible that this comes across in writing. So you know when you have a sense of unease in a TV show and it's normally based on the camera angles and the music Mm -hmm. used. So you have this sense of unease like, ooh, something's going to happen. It's a lot harder to do in a book because you don't have those like external factors. But as soon as I started reading this dialogue, I was like... I'm so uneasy. And I think even as a first-time reader, not knowing that it's moody, as soon as you hear that, Harry says the line, Dumbledore told me to stay. And then everything about the dialogue is slightly off. Moody is slightly too enthusiastic. Yeah. And you're just like, something... And keeps calling him Dark Lord. Yes, which yeah. we know only the Death Eaters yeah. call him. He also gives Harry a drink, which then I kind of read this and I was like, oh, I didn't remember this. Like He does something to I Harry. and then it's just pepper up. Yeah, it's, but you're just like, weird, why? Yeah. It just, I kind of read it and I was like, I oh, I forgot I think it's to make bit. Harry more alert because Harry's not talking properly. He's basically half unconscious. Yeah, it just seemed, yeah, I just, it just seemed a bit weird to me. Yeah. But yeah, so Harry remembers that he should have told Dumbledore that there's a Death Eater at Hogwarts. No shit, Harry. I understand you're in shock, but, you know. No, but, but he also, like, he's basically passed out at this point. Yeah, yeah, but also, like, this is at the point where Moody is going, like, full-on creepy Dark Lord, Dark Lord, and he's just like, oh, I should have told Dumbledore, and you're like, put it together, Harry. Yeah. I know you're not the smartest, but, but try. come on. <laughs> Moody then says that he put Harry's name in the goblet. I and- wrote, done. Done. Yeah. Done. But then Harry still isn't getting it. He's still in doesn't under He's dumb so he starts to do the typical villain thing of explaining how smart he is which ultimately gets him caught which is the same thing Voldemort did yeah but I think it's good how like we totally at this point we don't know Moody is an imposter we think it's Moody yeah and it's clever the way J.K. Rowling has set up these books because we're totally ready for full to fall for the fact it's Moody because in book one it was a defense against the dark arts teacher in book three she tried to trick us into thinking it was a defense against the dark arts teacher but it wasn't and now we're back to it being the defense against the dark arts teacher and it's just very it's just this like classic thing about the defense against the dark arts teacher and you're like oh oh wait and like (sighs) I guess that it is a bit of like a like obvious trope thing to be like this like super good character was actually the evil character but at the same time like I would have liked to see this just because I like I like the idea of Moody like back in the day as this like aura who was also a death eater so someone kind of that like sick and twisted and perverse that he enjoyed like torturing and like locking up people for doing what he was actually doing like kind of not playing both sides but Mm. just someone that kind of was on both sides just because he fucking loved 
violence and shit mm. like which obviously isn't the case but i just think that that could have been like an interesting thing but also not very kids book not thing. very kids book yeah um so yeah he starts um i think i wrote exposition central um and this is only the first of like three different exposition points in this these chapters so we find out he fired the dark mark at the world cup he nudged hagrid to show the dragons to harry and he told cedric about the egg which leads me to ask like would anyone have done any of these challenges in this book if no one had helped them or given them hints no no nobody worked anything up we know they were all given hints about the dragons they were probably all given hints about the egg in the water like none of them did anything for themselves yeah he also says that he was the one that planted the book with Neville, assuming that Harry would have just asked anyone around him, which, like, yeah, Harry, you should have. But also, like, I think even if he had been asking everyone around him, which, like, as we know, Harry, he wouldn't. No. But if he had, I still don't think he would have asked Neville. And that's obviously, like, Moody wasn't to know, but I just think, like... I suppose he thought he might be asking his dormitory at large, like, oh, does anybody know? But yeah, like, Moody should have known from within a few meetings of Harry how much pride he had. Yeah. He then reveals that he was helping Harry in the hedge by in the hedge because um, he could like see through the hedges and yeah. he was cursing things. How how was he cursing through hedges? Hedges like, don't stop spells. We don't know don't what stops spells. He says he stunned Fleur. Why did she scream? We know perfectly well that stunners don't make people scream. Mm. Maybe it was unrelated maybe or maybe like he sent a stunner and missed so she screamed like oh my god where's that coming from and then he stunned her yeah i don't know it just seems with the scream seems kind of like like we said harry hears that scream and he's just like well floors out you're just it was a scream so maybe she saw like a niffler and screamed (laughs) (laughs) and screamed and then 20 minutes later got stunned yeah so three shapes have appeared in the faux glass behind moody's head but moody hasn't noticed yeah he says voldemort will honor him for killing harry but um no he won't because voldemort is obsessed with the idea that he has to kill harry like that is voldemort's thing so voldemort will be pissed if if crouch is the one slash moody to kill harry like he's kind of there's no way he would honour him above all else yeah. because of this. I was also, like, just wondering what his plan was at this point. I mean, we said that he talked for too long, but, like, he he specifically says that he's going to be honoured. And you're like, not if you're dead, son. Or imprisoned. So, like, yeah, what's you're your plan? Harry within... I... He doesn't even try and take him out of the grounds. He's just like, I my office. I honestly think Crouch Jr. doesn't care about death. See, no. And I was thinking that, but then when he's like... I'll be honoured and stuff. And but like maybe rewarded. he means honours, honoured. I think he means, he just wants to be remembered by Voldemort as this amazing person. And I think part of him is mad and he thinks he'll get out of this. But another part of him is also like, if I die for the cause, he'll uh, he'll put me on a pedestal. Like yeah. I will be honoured above all the rest. Yeah. So he says, he starts to kind of like explain then his motive. And he says um, that he had a disappointing father. And this is probably like the first moment where like if you stopped and like thought, Mm. you could work out who it is. Yeah. Just because you think, okay, disappointing fathers, who have we learned about Mm. in this book that's a father that's disappointing. And yeah, this is probably the first moment you could put it together. Like I said, Moody just keeps talking about the Dark Lord and also he says the Dark Order. And this kind of made me think about those words. Like, 
why they wouldn't view themselves as the bad guys like obviously we know that they're the bad guys so why are they like dark lord dark order like see this is the thing i've always thought about like voldemort and the death eaters they are not the kind of evil where they think they're good and right they actually are the kind of evil where they know they know they're horrible people do we know that I mean, what Voldemort is. Yeah, but then... It's not like but does that... he? Because he thinks what he's doing is right because he do- doesn't think... No, like... he knows he likes twisted bad stuff. Do you think? I don't know. He... Yeah, he knows he likes the inflicting... Hmm... He he likes to spin the rhetoric that he doesn't. He likes to do that thing like in book seven where he's like, if you transfer over to my side, you know, you'll be honoured and blah, blah, blah. But... But, okay, in the film, he's a creepy bugger. Yeah? Mm-hmm. We know that. But mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that is in the books. Like, I I don't know. I don't know because I guess we can think about it more as we continue to read what actual, like, you know, in the text does Voldemort think that he's good and doing the right thing? See, because or... I always think the muggle, like, okay, the muggle stuff, the, the, the cleansing of the, the blood stuff, I have always... Sorry, I hit the mic. I have always thought it's a cause, cause in quotes, that Voldemort latches onto to gain the followers that he feels he needs, and he is not that interested in it. He just wants... I disagree. ...power and eternal life and to rule the world. I don't think he actually cares about purity of race that much. No, I think he does because of his whole family situation. I think that he sees muggles as the reason that he was brought up like he was and i think that he kind of like you know idolizes his mum and resents his dad and i think that there's obviously the other contributing factors but i think that he does care about blood purity Mm. because of those reasons but Mm -hmm. i also think because we're kind of like told a little bit in the books and like more after that Voldemort is kind of like, I guess, like the second coming of Grindelwald that he continued. Grindelwald a f- is a lot more about blood purity than Voldemort. Grindelwald is hard into blood no, purity. but like, so is Voldemort. His entire thing is like, kill the muggles. Kill the muggles, yes, but I don't think he cares about like... But everything that he does with the ministry, he gets them to like all the... Because he like wants to recruit the giants and the werewolves, whereas the people in the ministry who are hardcore into the purity of blood hate the giants, hate the werewolves and reject all of those. But I think they're a means to an end. I think he sees them as like an easy like political win. I don't think that he actually sees them as equal allies because, you know, he like with the house elves, he Mm. doesn't value their magic as much. So I I have always had the opinion that although he does care a bit and he's... a bit bigoted because of his mum and dad that's not his end goal his end goal is just ultimate power and he's using he thinks the easiest followers he can gain is the blood purity angle but i'm very excited to read this deeper reading of the next three books Mm. to look into that opinion i've always had more i think it's both i think he does love the power but i think that his cause is blood purity Mm. and i also like what i was saying about grindelwald is you know obviously grindelwald and dumbledore's thing was for the greater good. So mm. I think that kind of supports my theory that Voldemort believes he's the good guy because it's that mentality of for the greater good. Yeah, he's doing horrible things. Mm. 
Um, and and I, I do think in the films we're very much given this picture of the Voldemort that is this little little creepy psychopath that enjoys it. But I think we do get some of that in the book, but less of it. But yeah, I'll be interested. Like, my mind isn't fully formed on that. I'm going yeah. to be really interested to, like, continue reading, and particularly when we get to the chapters on more of Voldemort's backstory. Like, 100%. how much we think that he kind of wants it for the power, wants it because he enjoys violence and wants it because of the blood purity because i think it's a mix but to in kind of what order i don't know yeah definitely so but anyway yeah <clears throat> essentially i was saying you know dark do they view themselves as the bad guys they call everything dark dark mark dark Lord, but like you dark say like order. dark magic but that's dark yeah like art. harry sees that as dark magic but if that's what you thought was right that you should be able to do those kind of spells like do you view them as dark like it's like using the unforgivable spells if you're someone that uses them you think they're okay so they're not unforgivable but then do we want to get into why we call bad things dark do we want to get into the nuance of language of why Uh we call negative things dark and why we call positive things light because that shit racist. Yeah, I'm just gonna take a long let's sip just both of my drink. Take, let's just both finish our drinks and I'll make us new ones whilst we talk about that. Think about that. Or I you mean, all think about why you call things dark and light. Yeah, I, I don't think there's much more we can say on that because we're not qualified. No. But yeah, that's a racist thing. Just gonna call it out. Just gonna put that out there. I'm, and, gonna, um, I'm gonna make us fresh drinks. Yeah, that she is. I'll talk more about Sting. Right, so Dumbledore, Snape, and McGonagall arrive into the room like the fucking like the bad perfect, like literally. Oh my god! He's the like d- about to. Curse. Why isn't this in the film? Because imagine this moment: the door thumbs down, and the three of them are just like there's wind blowing their hair, yeah. and beards are blowing backwards. McGonagall's beard all over, <laughs> like, all over Snape's greasy locks are just flying backwards. They're like da da da. Yeah, grease droplets are imagine like this moment in off. a 1970s, 80s like Bond movie cheesy style or thing, L'Oreal oh. advert style. Yeah, yes. the slow mo hair flick because she's born with it yeah mcgonagall's <laughs> bun just like some for some reason undoes and she's like oh i'm here yeah you guys the visual the visual bit is fanatical fixators i just whipped my hair mm-hmm. around but i only have a pixie cut so what happened is my long fringe just kind of flopped beat into the air i don't um, know but anyway they no no i remembered yeah, so uh, we're going to continue that petition for us to direct the future <laughs> Harry Potter Netflix show. If you want Harry Potter with added 80s montages, then uh, hit us up. Yep. So they stun Moody. Uh, he's on the floor. McGonagall... So Snape and Dumbledore are doing their thing, but McGonagall walks up to Harry and looks like she's going to cry. And yeah. I just... I, ju- I just... I just want to wrap her in bubble wrap. But also, she's like the most bad... What I love about McGonagall is she's like... We, we, we're we all for being like, yeah, she's badass. She's I also amazing. like she's... that she's smiling at us from the computer screen right now. <laughs> Yay. She's badass. She's amazing. We always talk about how she's badass in scenes. But then she's also given these moments of amazing, like, emotional... You know, it's like when she was described as have, sounding like she had a head cold when Ginny was taken and wanting to cry now. And she's given the full range of emotions, which is so rare mm. in both female and male characters, to be given that full range of emotions. And I just love that McGonagall is given I just that. love 
McGonagall. I, she's so good. Uh, so the book says that for the first time, Harry understands how Voldemort could be afraid of Dumbledore. Oh, such a good line. Fearsome Dumbledore looks, and with his beard blowing behind I him, <laughs> just will never. We've talked about it before. I will never not be upset by the representation of Dumbledore that we got in the film. We had the really meek and feeble one who didn't do nice. We'll call him nice. Yeah, but didn't do the side of Dumbledore justice. And then we had Michael Gambon, who just clearly Angry. didn't understand the character I mean, at all. He didn't just, He didn't read the books. He no, said in interviews he didn't read the books. I know, and just, like, constantly went this really, like, aggressive, angry, but not scary. Just didn't pull it off whatsoever. I just, I want that Dumbledore. I want both I sides. I want the duality. I, I don't want think... angry and aggressive. I want actually, like, foreboding, kind of that, like, darker I side. I actually think Jude Law has that. He has mm. all of that. Obviously, he's playing young Dumbledore, so we can't see it as we're meant to see it in the books. But I do think he has the perfect mix of both. I think you just fancy him. Well, yes, and that, obviously, Jude Law is gorgeous. Have you seen Jude Law? Yes. Remember the other day when we were at that um, cafe? Oh, and, and was... Neil thought that man looked exactly yeah. like Jude Law. And then I showed you my picture of the ex-colleague who looked pretty much like Jude Law. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Need me a man like that. Shall I get you in touch with my ex-colleague? colleague he dates a lot did i tell you i told you about the christmas party where he bought a girl who was only his second date and then she loved harry potter and had a pixie cot so we had a right laugh Can I date um, her? yeah i have her on facebook and he doesn't go out with her anymore and she might have said she was bi i can't remember because we were getting pretty close i'll, I'll hook you up with her D- don't scared of women she's so pretty and so nice I think Neil has a long list of women he wants me to set up with, so she might have to go to the bottom of the queue. Okay, fine. Anyway, Jude Law is a fitty. To summarise, to that summarise, yeah. Jude Law is a fitty. Um, so Dumbledore, the other two leave to go do things, and Dumbledore opens the seven locks on Moody's case, and the seventh one reveals the real Moody was in dun, a pit all along. Dun. so like this book is great okay because we thought we were at the climax in the graveyard and then we thought we were at the climax when moody was about to kill harry and no hold on now we're at the climax and it wasn't moody and moody's in a pit this book just it just wants to keep pulling the rug out from under you so there's also a bit, I think we might have slightly gone past it, but so McGonagall tries to take Harry to the hospital wing, but Dumbledore stops her and he says that Harry needs to be there because he needs to understand. Understanding is the first step to acceptance mm. and only with acceptance can there be recovery. And I love this bit. I love that mm. that Dumbledore is treating him as an adult that can handle this information and is also prioritising his mental health. I mean, obviously this does go slightly against the whole raising him as a lamb for slaughter thing but it's nice that in this moment he's putting him first and i also just think that that's such a great quote oh my god there are so many good quotes in this chapter and the next two i wrote so many down and like so many good dumbledore quotes and this is one of them like yeah so many i just i love it because it is like so true yeah no it is yeah that you've got to understand the reason why something happened to you to even begin to move to understand what happened to you and to move past it. Dumbledore is absolutely right. And McGonagall, as love, she's Harry's head of house and she loves him, but in a way where she sees him as a child and wants to protect him and Dumbledore is trying to see him as an adult yeah. and also raise him as a lamb for slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> 
he, we he, love Dumbledore. He wants him to die, but wants him to be mentally well adjusted when he dies and have all the information at the exact right times. Mm-hmm. It's all good. It's all good. So, yeah, Dumbledore says that Moody has been stunned and imperious. It's been an entire school term. So from September to what we can assume is June, July, it's been months. This is horrific. Mm. I... Okay, obviously we don't get a lot of context on Barty Crouch Jr. and his kind of, like, powers and abilities. Yeah. Um, Or, like, Barty Crouch Sr., I think we can assume that he's a, like... Very powerful wizard. Yeah. But I don't know. I just find that there's like a certain amount of inconsistency because, like, yes, how many was years was this. Barty Crouch Jr. under the Imperius? Like a lot. A uh, hell of a he lot. He went from being like a boy to like a lot, like ten years. And Moody like, was well, fif- like fourteen, as old as Harry is. Yeah. And Moody was well known for being the most powerful aura of his time. Yeah. We know he's gone a little bit, and we know there were two people overpowering him. Barty Crouch Jr. and Wormtail, but mm. there is a little bit of consistency, inconsistency, I completely agree, in, in the fact that he was kept imperious and stunned for nine months. No, longer yeah. than that. Because t- t- ten months? It's like, okay, so I get that there must be a certain amount of natural talent. We know that Harry is naturally very good at, he just could immediately pretty much throw off the imperious. Yes. It took Barty Crouch Jr. 14 years. It took Barty Crouch Sr. a couple of months. Yeah. And then it took moody like he couldn't do it it. but you just think like okay but barty crouch senior and moody surely in their jobs must have had like trade like surely part of the government well okay so it says kept him subdued it sounds like imperious wasn't the only curse i assume there was some sort of curse that made him or like a potion like a sleeping thing yeah because i assume some sort of sleeping thing is something that makes him physically weak so he then doesn't have the mental capacity because yeah. we know that imperious curse takes a hell of a lot of mental capacity to throw mm. off because yeah it just otherwise it doesn't really make sense and i just do think surely if you're training to be an aura like a, maybe by barty crouch senior not having had training but in which case how did he throw it moody's off had after a hell a of months? a lot of training but surely moody surely part of the aura training is how to throw off the imper- imperial surely that mm. is like day one no you're absolutely right in the academy no no you're absolutely <laughs> i thought there was inconsistency here with the fact he was overpowered by barty crouch jr and wormtail we know wormtail's pretty shit at stuff and then the fact he was kept subdued subdued well okay fine whatever but then he was kept subdued sub sub subdued what am i saying i don't know nine months i had a long day okay um (laughs) so so dumbledore then says okay well this man here has been taking polyjuice potion i bet in the excitement tonight he forgot to take it and then within like two minutes he changes yeah it's fucking lucky he did or we'd have a really boring hour of waiting for this man to change and dumbledore would be like oh that was anticlimactic as they all sit there for an hour like and also it's just like oh yeah convenient he's just like it's just weird it's weirdly phrased he's like oh i bet he did what if they? What if he was and wrong? Like, why is he just minutes. assuming it's that? Two minutes. Yeah. We also can I just say we missed the bit where uh, Dumbledore orders Snape and McGonagall to go and get Winky and a large black dog. <laughs> Love it. A lack of context. Okay. Okay. Oh, they just you. do it. They're just like, I bet they're like, you know what? 
in the grand scheme of Dumbledore's weird requests for us to get things, this, this is, is normal. This is At good. least it's not like another trip to Madame Malkin's back room. I like to think sex like McGonagall was crying when she went to get serious because you know she doesn't show emotions in front of people, and then Sirius in dog form was just like. Yeah, like and then she's just the like, she's like, what the fuck is this dog? Especially because she's an animator, so maybe then she was like... Yeah, no, she knew. She can sense other yeah. animators, so she was like... Mm. No, because she was an animagus while he was an animagus in school, so mm. actually that means she can't sense other animators. Or maybe but like maybe, very inform. Yeah, know. like, and maybe it's not about sensing it, but maybe, like, he comforts her and then she's like, that's not dog behaviour. Who's that? Who that? Who, who, who are that? you? Who that? Who that? <laughs> Oh. Uh, we've got a whole canon in our head about yeah. this moment. Again, let us direct the Netflix show. It will be 27 seasons. None of us have any experience. Did you know I used to want to be a director? That's cool. Yeah, it was very short-lived. I have... It was like a period of like two weeks. I was <laughs> a makeup artist in some film and TV stuff for like a year or two. I've seen what directing looks like. It's stressful. Yeah, no, now, I not only don't want to do it now that I have had to, like, direct, like, photo shoots and stuff, <laughs> but also, no, I would be really bad at it. <laughs> yes. But there was, like, I don't know, maybe, like, a couple of month period when I was, like, 16 where I was like, yeah, I want to be a director. Nah, mm, 16-year-old me, you're not smart. The one. The one. You don't know your skills. So... The person, Moody, transforms and dun-dun-dun! It's Barty Crouch Jr. I actually had some points. Okay. Uh, Sorry, I'm jumping all over the place here. No, it's fine. Um, So, when Dumbledore kind of gives his week, like, oh, I think that he must have forgotten to take it. Oh, you really are jumping all over the place. He says that Polyjuice has to be taken on On the the hour, hour, every every hour. Excuse me. Which we know from book two. (laughs) So, no... But, like, on the hour, so isn't... If no, you... he doesn't mean on the hour. He means the same time you originally took it. He doesn't mean on the hour. But he says on the hour. He doesn't mean that. He means, like, if you take it at 8.04, you then must take it again at 9.04. Okay. I read that differently, but I think that's really weird phrasing. But also, wizards don't have, like, phones that vibrate with hour timers. So how are you keeping track of the hour? But they've got a big clock. You can't see it everywhere all the time. No, but say if he was taking it on the hour, like if you were relying on it like that to hear the dongs and know you've got to like I mean, do yeah, a shot. If you were doing this every hour, you would take it on the hour. Which begs the question, did no one be like, hmm, this dude that's been around at this point, like I don't know how long, but like several months... Every time I hear dong, 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 he goes, gug, gug, gug. You know the big clock is only in the films. We don't actually know it's there from the books, don't you? I'm pretty sure all castles have, like, a big clock. I love how you just rolled your eyes at me. You were like, Hannah. Yeah. All castles have a big clock. So my mum has always really wanted a big clock and she constantly goes on about how she wants a big clock. And she just really, really wants a big clock. And Stop she wants talking. a big clock in Stop her talking. kitchen. Um, this is very similar to how she always says that she really wants my dad to take her up the shard. Your and then listen to this. And then she looks at me and she's like, I don't mean the building. I can't believe I haven't met your mum. I think we're kindred spirits. Anyway. She is honestly iconic. You need to come stay. I was invited to come stay then. Rona happened. 
Yeah, you were. But literally, my dad is constantly like, when's Hannah coming to stay? No, he's and like, then, when's Neil coming no, to no, stay? No, no, he's always like, when's Hannah coming to stay? Because I want to take Neil to the pub. And I'm like, what about Hannah? <laughs> Hannah likes the pub. Hannah loves beer and cider and chatting. Yeah. Hannah d- even likes cars. I'll talk about cars. Yeah. My dad's just scared of women. So Winky arrives crying a lot um and Dumbledore gives Crouch Jr a truth potion but this seems to turn him into some sort of coma where he doesn't realize who's around him he keeps referring to Dumbledore as Dumbledore even though he's talking to Dumbledore and surely this truth potion doesn't stop him from like running or trying to leave like as far as you know this truth potion just makes you tell the truth but he seems to be like yes I am Barty Crouch Jr I did this. I don't understand well, why. Well, I don't know, because this is, like, the first example we've had of it. So I guess, like, why wouldn't this be how it works? I guess. I do think it's basically he got him stoned, basically. Essentially. So then I wanted to talk about truth potions and the lawfulness of truth potions. Because truth potions existing raises the question of why they're not used in trials. However, people always question this in the Harry Potter community, and I think that's an obvious answer to this, into the fact that it is extremely immoral. However, the wizarding community in general is the least moral place I've ever seen. So that doesn't have any bearing. Yeah. I think hasn't J.K. Rowling said that they can be fooled? I'm pretty sure she's come out and said that. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think I think it's probably like similar to the Imperius that like with a certain amount of like skill and training, uh, you can fool it. Okay, then if that's the case, that makes sense. Because if we were to apply truth potions to like the standard of moral compass that like this country's law system has i think they'd be classed as immoral because even though you are testifying that you will tell the truth in like a trial they cannot force you and it is immoral to force anyone against their will to take something and do something yeah i think it's similar to like how in real life like you can't use lie detectors on the stand yes you can't um because they they're just not actually that accurate and they no. can be tricked. Yeah. Um, and I think that Truth Potion kind of works in a similar way where it can, much like Imperious and much like um, Legitimate... Um, I'm really not looking forward to when that comes up in the books <laughs> and I can't say it. Um, you know, it, ca- it can be tricked. I yeah. think it's like a similar form of magic. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I guess it's also like how we were saying before with the memories... Um, I would imagine it's like a similar thing to that. Like we had that discussion about, you know, was he uh, actively changing his memory or was he kind of having that like psychological response of like denial? Yeah. I guess it's probably like a similar thing. Like maybe if we buy into the fact that, because it is in the text that he changed the memory intentionally. So I guess that a truth potion would work in the same way that like extracting that false memory would. Mm. Yeah. but I, I still do have the headcanon that it was like a psychological like defence mechanism as opposed to an active. We'll see when we get there and read exactly what the we'll text see. says. Exciting. So then I wrote, it's big exposition time because the next pages are just exposition yeah. on exposition on exposition. So we found out that Crouch Jr. and his mother swap places in Azkaban. This led me to the question. So we learned that they could do this because the Dementors are blind. 
Right. If the Dementors are blind and they sense one healthy person, one dying person going in, what's to stop people just smuggling shit in all the time? Because it says that she took Polyjuice Potion to the end. Right. We know that you have to take Polyjuice Potion on the hour, every hour. Yeah. How much Polyjuice Potion would she have needed? So they smuggled what I'm assuming is like 10 suitcases worth of Polyjuice Potion in. Fine. Okay, so like, okay, so the Dementors can't see that. So, what's stopping people yeah. smuggling illegal shit in it's all the time? It's just bonkers that there's not even a receptionist. And I guess maybe you could argue there's so much like bad juju there that no one would want the job. Or but- my only way of working it out was that Crouch got through any external security thing that isn't de- blind Dementors because mm. he's a politician, and we know that politicians get like special treatment. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I think oh, the only plausible way is if she was literally like on the brink of like hours away from death but we know it was like a month i think don't I we don't think it says oh, no okay. i think it's like she was you know kind of on but then there's no way of knowing that like unless you literally because the thing is like obviously if someone is literally like moments away from dying you you a lot of the time you know especially if it's some like terminal illness but also not always like you know uh-uh. when when uh-uh. like but yeah, when my granddad died, there was moments when it was like, okay, yeah, he's going to go within the hour. And then like two weeks later, like, nope, still here. And, and then, that's the same with every grandparent yeah. and, like, and every person I know. That's always the case with people with terminal illnesses. Yeah, it's literally like they can look like they're imminently going with the moment. So it's just like really like in implausible. And then also like, it's really lucky because... The, what, and she took how, it an hour before her heart gave out, before her organ shut down? And also, this implies that if you die in the form your polyjuice is, your dead form is that person. That's what I was going to say. What? That's what I was going to say is lucky. They don't... Surely they don't know that. Like, what textbook would be like, yes, and if you die on polyjuice potion, you retain that figure. Surely they do not know that. And they need for the you funeral... You change back... No way you die in that form. I, I, I'm i open to either, but I'm just saying, how did they know this? Did they test it out on someone? No, they didn't. And like, what? Surely this is not a documented thing. So they would not have known that. Like, surely. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I have a lot of questions about smuggling things past Dementors. A lot of questions about her taking Polyjo's potion to like this bit raised so many questions so many so we find out that winky was crouch jr's keeper that her job as a house elf was to keep him safe and look after him we find out that bertha found out about barty crouch jr which is super fucking convenient that she was the person that wormtail rung into and also she was the only person to know about but there are so many this is what struck me when i was reading all this like all of everything in this chapter the amount of exposition and the previous ones as well with Voldemort's explanation is the amount of things that Voldemort returning hinged on like so many different <clears throat> moving pieces and chances and it's just I like I suppose the point is the point is he's been waiting 15 years to return 14 years whatever 13 I don't know anyway and these were the moving pieces that yeah. finally slotted into place. I suppose there were yeah. always moving pieces that could have spotted, you know, Quirrell. There could have been shit before that we mm-hmm. didn't even know about. Yeah. These were the moving pieces that happened to slot in. Yeah. I don't find it not plausible, but I just find it, like, impressive from a storytelling oh, yeah. point of view. And also, it's just like, it's it's one of those things where you can then pin it on really hilarious things. Like, you can 
go back and you can whittle it down to such stupid events. Like, I have a note in a bit that essentially, like, Winky bought Voldemort back, but you can get even stupider. Like, if you go back further enough, you can have the stupidest small event. Excuse me, I've told you about the fact... I've told you about the fact that in book two, when when Nearly Headless Nick persuaded Peeves to drop that vanishing cabinet over yep. Harry so that Filch would run and see something, he broke the vanishing cabinet, which is why which is why it was broken, which is why Malfoy had to fix it, which is why it was used in the sixth book. So essentially Nearly Headless Nick brought Voldemort brought the death he deserved. Essentially Nearly yep. Headless Nick killed Dumbledore. Exactly. Exactly. And you can do this with so many things with Voldemort coming back and things later on. Like, you can just boil it down to the most stupid, minuscule event. And I, I love that. But that that's is my always crack. the case. Like, in the next chapter, Harry says he is responsible for Cedric's death because he told Cedric to grab the cup with him. Harry isn't responsible for Cedric. It's, it's moving parts. It's, yeah. And you can always blame yourself for something that happened when there were a hundred moving parts. Yeah. So... Bertha found out about Crouch Jr. Crouch used a memory charm so powerful it damaged her for life. Fucked up. So fucked so up. So fucked up. And this is why people remember her differently. Because Sirius explicitly says she was smart, she was just gossipy. And Dumbledore is looking at a memory of her when she was on it. But then other people later on remember her as like having no memory and being a bit weird. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about how this woman's life, and I think it's very important to point out she's a woman, was completely controlled and ruined by men. Yeah. And she's not mentioned in future books. Like, Bertha Jorkins is, is a big part of this book and then and then gone. And we never get to meet the real Bertha. And I think it's very key that the only things we know about Bertha is the opinions of not other people, other men. The yeah. only people who talk about Bertha are men. We get I love Crouch, that, yeah. we get Ludo, we get the other Crouch, we get Dumbledore. That is such a good point. We, we get serious. We get serious. Yeah. We never hear from a woman. And and she's always very like talked down or like described as like gossipy yes and and it's such a like male way of describing like yeah i love that you pointed that out the only stuff we know about bertha we know through the male gaze only through the male gaze and her life was ruined by men yeah ruined by crouch who because she found something out which you know she found out through cunning and she was brave enough to confront him about he then used a memory charm which changed her personality which broke her Mm. she was then captured by wormtail tortured by voldemort and if we are to believe the theory i said in the last episode which we both agreed to be true she was then horrifically abused and then murdered yeah i also think that it raises like a really interesting moral argument because i'm someone that i believe that the police should be defunded and i also don't believe in the prison system um however this is like an example where barty crouch senior took justice into his own hands and he you know he still punished his son because in at the end of the day his son was imprisoned but you know he did at the end of the day this was a selfish thing this is what not necessarily him but i do think him and his wife wanted and they saw themselves as two you know privileged powerful white people that they could actually take justice into their own hands Mm. and discipline their son as they saw fit and they used their position of power and privilege to pull pull this off whereas you know people from a less privileged background wouldn't have been able to do this and as a result of them you know seeing that they were kind of 
them and their offspring were above the law and that they could take the punishment into their own hands Mm. you know that wasn't an insular act that wasn't just something that just affected them that at the end of the day spiraled and it started to affect other people to the point where bertha lost her sensibility and then eventually lost her life because of this act that they they had done and you know it taking this you know morally they may have thought oh he's still getting punished and blah 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 but it still has this wider thing but i think that that's like quite a conflicting thing you know i would say in this thing yeah he should have been punished and he should have you know gone to jail and blah 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 but then how can i say that as someone that doesn't believe in the prison system as well, it is. you don't is. believe in the prison system as it is exactly. in this country or as it is in the wisdom world, but that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be a system in place to punish and observe yeah. people who have done wrong. It yeah. just means that the current system we have in place is not practical for use. Exactly, like 100%, because obviously there still needs to be like um, a punishment and rehabilitation. I think the key um, word is rehabilitation. Exactly. But then it's also like you know, realistically in society that needs to be governed by something and I also don't believe in the current, like, (laughs) government system so it's like... But it has to be governed by something. Exactly. But then... It's... It... It... I mean, it's like what we were saying with the house elves. We can shout from the rooftops as much as we want that we think the system should be changed but when you sit anyone down and say, come up with this new system, you can't because there is no perfect system. Or we can't. For sure. Yeah, like, I mean, we so, can't. We're idiots. Yeah. Someone could. But yeah, I just think it, like, raises, like, a really, like, interesting moral thing. And yeah. it also, like, is quite, like, a statement on privilege and how they... And, like, it's all the time, isn't it? Like, just rich people just getting punished differently or, you know, oh, taking yeah. punishment into their own hands or just living life by a different set of rules. Like, yeah, all Crouch of those celebrities that paid for their... Um, co- the co- the student university yeah, thing, yeah. To pay to get them into university. Like, rich people just completely completely live in this bubble where they just think that they get to play by a different set of rules oh yeah like i you know and i can definitely point to like my own relatives and stuff you know from like a like upper middle class like white background Mm. my relatives who will do things and then will point at like working class people and people of different ethnicities doing the exact same thing Sometimes the exact same thing, sometimes the same thing in a different form and go, oh no, like I think a really good, like I'm not now speaking about any of my family, but you know, the way that rich people will go, how dare people be on benefits and like scam benefits Mm. and then they don't pay taxes on their businesses. And it's the exact same thing. Exactly. This is a bit of a tangent and I'm just getting really political, but I just think it's quite like an interesting like moral case study. No, it is. And I think the key thing here is that Bertha is a relatable, neutral person. Bertha was a gossipy person in school. I'm a gossipy person. I fucking love gossip. I know that's bad. I don't care. I've come to terms with it. I think our friendship is based on gossip no and i know that's not the best thing in the world but i've come to terms with it in my mid-20s i like gossip as long as i don't but use it you, negatively against yeah, people you, you're not like a malicious gossiper no. you don't shit talk people to my knowledge at least i hope you don't my brain no, is now I like she shit talks people i just like hearing information oh yeah like stranger gossip is like the best oh, thing stranger i love gossip, gossip about, about people about like other people's offices and oh friends. Oh my god, like, other I don't people's know. offices. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Just tell me the shit. Anyway, so Bertha, and then <laughs> she went into an office job in the ministry. She is relatable to us as people, as women in our mid-20s. She is just a normal person. Nothing 
bad and we should have happened to her. She so should have been protected. She should, she should be safe. Yeah. And she isn't. And I had never picked up on the fact of how relatable she was. And I think this is a key thing about reading these books as an adult in our mid-twenties. Obviously, I'd never related to Bertha. I'd more related to the teenage characters, to Hermione. And now suddenly I'm relating to Bertha. And I feel sick about how her storyline is displayed and her... And I think J.K. Rowling did it on purpose. And I think it's there for the adult readers. But I was so upset by what happened to Bertha because I think she's a huge tragedy of these books. Yeah, and she's also one of the only, like, normal characters that we get any decent amount of context on like we do kind of have those background characters but for a character that is kind of brought up in this book and they're never mentioned again we get a huge amount of backstory we even get you know accounts of her from how she was in high school Mm. from series like for this character that is such a like you know small character we get so much backstory to her and she is one of the only normal characters we really have to deal with and Mm. we kind of covered in another episode you know the fan theories on the even more horrific things that happened to her but yeah it's it's for me it's the fact that they kind of did this act and it wasn't insular and then combined with the fact that we only hear about bertha through the male gaze and like i don't know like i want to do something for bertha like i live bertha honestly like Like, we talk we talk about like justice for ali bashir but like justice for bertha i mean I'm so... I think this is why I'm so glad we're coming back to this as adults because I never yeah. would have picked up on this otherwise and I, I, I'm i filled with so much anger and so much sadness. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, oh. moving on from Bertha. Um, so Barty and Winky went to the World Cup. Winky managed to explain to Crouch Senior that Barty yeah. and Crouch Junior should go. This is where I had my note that Winky brought back Voldemort because if she hadn't talked... Exactly. I mean, actually... But you could say like Harry. No, actually, Voldemort. I'm wrong because this wasn't Voldemort knew he he was there from Bertha. So actually, really, the acts of the World Cup is a separate thing. The acts of the World Cup is a separate thing. Yeah, you're right. So um, yeah, Winky didn't bring back Voldemort. Winky sorry. So Barty Crouch Junior stole Harry's wand. Um, he sent up the dark mark. Then the whole shit happened where Winky got fired. Voldemort arrived at the Crouch's house, imperiously Barty Crouch Senior. So we only saw Barty Crouch Senior in his normal, non-imperious state in one instance in the World Cup. The rest mm. of the times we see him in the book, he's imperiously, which almost makes me want to go back and sorry, go back and read it again because I didn't really mm. realize that until this sentence. Um, the dustbin thing that we heard about in literally like chapter seven or something was real the dustbin thing was wormtail and crouch junior breaking in on moody there's so many little bits that come yeah. together like this exposition is heavy but it's just like oh yeah that oh that oh my god every little bit she dropped apart from the watch comes together yeah so we find out that crouch escaped from voldemort and it took him a week to get to hogwarts which can only lead me to believe that he walked to scotland no. Yes. You Why wouldn't... else would it take him a week? Um, you can walk to Scotland in a week. Easily. Can you? I'll look it up right now. I'm going to tell you right now. <sighs> but, okay, so 
My question was why didn't he apparate? Because I think I can buy that if he was using various modes of transport and we know that when we see him that he was kind of flicking between being like um, like conscious and aware and then kind of going back into his weird like confused state. So I can kind of buy that if he was kind of using different forms of transport that it would take him a week just because he wouldn't be like constantly travelling. He would kind of forget what he was doing. Seven days... Of constant walking. Yeah, exactly. From London, though. We don't know where the Crouches live. Yeah. Should we walk to Scotland? No. <laughs> Big no. But yeah, I can kind of buy that if he was using various forms of transport and then kind of forgetting what he was doing and who he was, blah, blah, blah. The real question is then, like, if he was using different forms of transport, like, you know, it's not like he could have got the night bus. They would be like, Crouch, dude. You okay? Maybe there? Stan would be Stan's doing? an idiot. Yeah, but then why would he just be getting off? Ra- like, why didn't he just apparate? Because he's <sighs> he's gone loopy. I guess gone like loopy. The only explanation is walk, but only if he lived seriously up north. Because it's not like it would be like constant walking. One, he would need sleep and sustenance, but also he was he he wasn't he was walking he wasn't doing a bit of apparating walking the entire time. But then why not just apparate? It doesn't make sense basically anyway so crouch killed his own father buried his body and we find out right at the end that he planted the quidditch no <laughs> the quidditch no no the goblet of fight no the triwizard cup he yep. planted the triwizard cup and that's the end of the chapter so we have decided that um this chapter was so heavy that this is going to be an episode in itself yes and also maybe because we may have gone potentially off topic no some we okay, never no, go we off didn't. topic don't know what we you're didn't. talking about we never go off topic nope. i think that is um hearsay definitely slander slander actually mm. yeah mm. yeah we don't go off topic anyway yeah. so we're deciding this is going to be one um there's an uneven amount of chapters towards the end anyway same amount of episodes towards the end of the book we're just splitting it differently so so we have a question we do sorry i'm just struggling to actually see it on my phone so it's a two-part question the first one is this is from carl our patreon carl and he says my question to you two is lord of the rings you've mentioned a couple of times you really don't like it and i was wondering why i'm not judging or preaching or anything but i'm genuinely just curious my fiance and i both love harry potter and lord of the rings and genuinely thought it would be right up your street right question carl there's too much walking um to be fair haven't read the book yeah so let's say that carl only seen the film adaption. Would love to read the book. It's on my list for at some point. Yeah, too much walking. Not enough women. Um, I've also not read the book. And the thing is, okay, controversial. I love The Hobbit. I love the films. I love the book. Uh, I watched the first Hobbit film and hated it, but I actually did like... Okay, here's the thing. I watched the Lord of the Rings films and was like, wow, this long this keeps going on. I'm not sure I like this. This is a lot. And then I finished them. And then a week later, I was like, I want to watch them again. And I want to watch the extended version. And I'm not sure what that means. Mm. Yeah, I wish I had that because I can imagine that they're kind because of, I rewatch The Hobbit all the time because similar to Harry Potter, it's just, you know, that kind of background thing. fantasy. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. It's comforting. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I do want to read Lord of the Rings because I think the reason why I like The Hobbit is because I've read 
the hobbits how i understand it and i feel right. like the lord of the rings films are similar to harry potter where they don't explain everything properly so when you kind of watch them and i i know that there are people that haven't read the book that do enjoy the films like my mum is one of them but my mum also is the kind of person she'll watch game of thrones she's got no clue what's going on she doesn't understand it she, she fucking just enjoys loves it. it yeah um but i'm not like that i have to understand exactly what's going on and i just feel like the the lord of the rings films don't explain it and i've always just found like i've tried to watch them and like them i want to like them so many times but they just don't capture me i get really bored i start to drift off i can't pay attention but then and here's the thing like i do want to read the books it's on my list but i always say i don't like quote unquote and this is controversial high fantasy game of thrones does turn into high fantasy lord of the rings is high fantasy but there's a lot of traditional high fantasy that i've never got on with so i've never bothered to read lord of the rings whereas mm. i should because i'm being judgmental you know that i don't i think we don't saying we don't like it we're just neither of us have tried it enough what are you looking at Sorry. Um, yeah, basically, I want to read the book, and I think once I read the book and really understand what's happening, I will enjoy the films more. Um, but yeah, that's basically why. Like, I'm not strictly against it, and I know that because I like The Hobbit, I probably will like Lord of the Rings. But yeah, I just I don't think that the films do a great job of capturing those that haven't read the books, and the books just aren't the top of my list yeah. and there isn't enough women women also that's oh, my not only, enough women the hobby legit legitimate point my most semi-viral tweet was and it wasn't even there didn't get that many likes was Did the, the hobby i don't know but the, the hobbit was just basically um i think i called it hairy men on a stag do yeah because there is. were no women yeah but the thing is okay i like the hobbit because it's got like two really hot characters in Whereas, like, Lord of the Rings, I think, only has one. And it's just not enough hotness. It's just not enough. Just not enough. Okay. Well, Carl asked one more quick question, a Harry Potter one. Um, if we went to Hogwarts for a day and could do one lesson, and one lesson only for that day, what would that lesson be and why? As in, like, as in like subject or, like, specific lesson on a thing? No, subject. So I always say the subject I'd want to study most at Hogwarts is charms. I think it's the most interesting, it's the most useful in everyday life, and I love the idea of, like, little spells that are helpful. Like, I really like spells that are helpful in everyday life. But would that be my answer if I could only do one lesson ever? That's an interesting question. I think yes. I think yes. I loved the idea of charms. I'm a big charms fan. Arithmancy. No, I can't even fuck up. Uh, um maybe charms i do agree but to give a different answer um potentially divination Ooh, with trelawney yeah to the banter learn nothing in that one lesson the thing is like as much as she couldn't predict things i do think that the kind of principles of it are really interesting like mm. the thing that's annoying i've always been like very interested in religion but not in the way that schools teach it where it's like re and it's just like in the uk so badly taught but i, oh, I should have had my teacher mm. but i just <sighs> i i just find the british syllabus um really not very interesting yeah so i think i i think i find divination interesting because it's got those kind of like more like um eclectic like paganism that kind of vibe to it and i mean pay <laughs> sorry we currently have a cat destroying the podcast equipment um yeah hannah got a cat um <laughs> yeah so i think i find that element interesting and i've always found whilst i don't necessarily believe in it but i just think that certain elements of like spirituality and like tarot is quite interesting 
Um, so I think I would find it like interesting, if not like real, if that makes sense. Um, so maybe that, that or maybe potions because I like mixing shit. Bye, guys. Yeah, anyway, bye. Love you, Love bye. you, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. Sydney, Carl, Mike, Samuel, Catherine, Redbeard, Matalib, Katie, Veronica, Amanda, Sandra and Nathan. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind the scenes content and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one. 